your one stop for exclusive interviews. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma quarterback commit Cooper Wilcox. Cooper, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Man, really, the culture that the coaches show as soon as you walk in the doors, they make you feel like your family. They make you feel like a, a healthy environment to come and play football. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. This is honestly a once-a-lifetime thing, you know. Usually you get your five years and you're done, but you know, you get an extra year of play. I was like, you know what, I, I want to come back. I want to spend another year with these guys. Game press conferences. I didn't really like my first read, so I was just went to playmaker mode. Game previews, recaps, brought to you by me, your host, JG Smooth. You're listening to The Cho Show, only on the Suave Report. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cho Show podcast presented by TheSwamfReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. We, it, it is it is time, it is time, this has been, um, we've been building towards this. If you go way back, my plan was to bring on all the assistant coaches first. We've gotten close. There, there's a few more. But we've got the head honcho on. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to you all hearing this. It was a, it was a very good conversation. Uh, we, I learned a, a great deal about the uh, team and the roster and coaches, just just overall background. So, uh, without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and bring on my guest now. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma. Oklahoma head coach Adam Doyle. Coach, thank you for taking time to come on this afternoon and talk to me. Uh, could you start by telling the viewers and listeners out there a, a little, little, little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, my name's Adam Doyle, like you said. Uh, grew up in Maryville, Missouri. Uh, walked on, played at Northwest Missouri State. Left for a while. Uh, was in South Dakota as a coach. Uh, and then William Jewell College. Uh, and then went back to Northwest Missouri State as an O-line coach. Uh, offensive coordinator and head coach at some point, and then went to Abilene Christian University, and now I'm here at the University of Central Oklahoma. So, uh, married my wife Erin, and I have two twin daughters, Samantha and Allie. Now, during your your, your playing days, your high school career, I found you were two time All District All Conference. So, not like how so how how do we end up then walking on? Because you figure you had that <laughs> level of success, you had to have some kind of offers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. I was uh, I played uh, I played at a small two A high school, Maryville High School. Uh, I tell you what, though, um, and I've said this publicly numerous times. If you look at the high school coach, junior high. If you look at the four junior high coaches I had, uh, my freshman uh, high school coaches, uh, my varsity coaches, and then go to college, and you know between. You know, Coach Churchman, Bart Tatum, my O-line coach and head coach. I've I've been very, very blessed uh, to have great coaches and mentors in my life. But um, yeah, coming out of high school, the uh, there was there was no offers. I was literally at the time Pittsburgh State and Central Missouri uh, were were the you know the best teams in the MIAA, and I couldn't even get 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 a walk on opportunity at at uh, at those two spots. So, uh, but hey, man, it all, it always works out in the end. And it certainly did this time as well. So you walk on, you, you end up becoming an all American and three time team captain. So now like, how, how does that happen? Cause most walk-ons don't have that level of success. Yeah. You know, 
I think it's just something I've kind of had my entire life. I've because um, I've always played that position. I was never the most athletic kid, wh- whether we were playing baseball or basketball, whatever you know. But I I just love to compete. I, I've always loved to compete. Uh, there's a side to me that you know. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, I, I can have a very feisty personality. I'm a type A personality guy that gets me up and gets me out of bed every morning. And, um, you know, the work has never been an issue with me. Uh, work ethic, uh, putting in, you know, the hours to be good at your craft, that that's never been uh, the issue with me. And I've just always had to try to take that underdog mentality, uh, really, in everything I've done. And, and But that's okay because it's it's just – it's a great motivator. Uh, I think that's number one. I think the second thing, you know, kind of piggybacking off talking about those great coaches I had, uh, and I mean that, I never, ever wanted to disappoint those men ever in my life. I mean, like, it was very, I was very conscious about how I was going to prepare, how I was going to practice, what I was doing in the off offseason, uh, because I was not going to disappoint my coaches uh, and my teammates. And so I think, you know, I think that naturally maybe endured me a little bit to, to teammates. I think they, you know, always saw that that sense of fight that I had each and every day. And, uh, you know, I'm loyal to a fault sometimes with with people. And, uh, you know, if, if if I'm in your camp, then I'm always in your camp. And, and uh, I'm same, kind of same way. I'll fight for you as well. So. Uh, so, yeah. And, and, and being a three time team captain, what what does that mean to you looking back on that? Well, I, th- I think I think it's helped me a great deal uh, to be a coach, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it's just something I was always, again, going back to what I said, very cognitive of the entire team, not just because I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I wanted to coach in the, the seventh grade. And so I always think I had a big picture in mind. I was never just concerned about the O-line. I was never just concerned about the offense. Um you know, I understood the value of special teams. I understood the value of defense. I always understood the value of the scout team. And, you know, I think I've always, uh, in, in a very organic, genuine way, uh, made people feel a part of it, even the young guys, freshmen. Uh, and again, you know, I always tried to, wanted to be a mentor uh, for younger players. Because again, I, you know, I look at the, the Greg Tills of the world, the Travis Williams, uh, Kirk Larson's guys I played with. Um, Dante Combs, guys that were just great to me. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's something I wanted to give back to younger players, you know, as I got older. And, and so in, in seventh grade, you said that, that, that you knew you wanted to coach. So what was it about coaching at that time that made you decide that that's what you wanted to do? You know, so again, growing up small town, I'm old. So back then they didn't have all this uh, Pop Warner and these youth football leagues. Uh, in Maryville, you literally could not play football, a contact football, until you, we didn't even have football leagues. You couldn't play football until you got to the seventh grade. And so, you know, I loved sports growing up. I was really big into wrestling, baseball. Uh, those were my two big ones. Um, but I'll never forget the first day I went to practice and put a helmet on. And, you know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was that controlled violence of it that, that you know, I get to to go out here and, and hit somebody, and it just felt good. It felt natural. It felt right. And uh, I don't know, ever since then, and I, I think you piggyback that with, uh, again, my four junior high coaches. They were, you know, men of high character. They were, uh, they were guys that really stood out in the community. So I already knew them and already looked up to them a little bit or did. And so when I got around them more, then that just, you know, then it really took off from there. Um, 
but I think it's just I've always had a, a passion for the game, but really so really kicked off when I started playing the, the contact portion of it. Uh, and, and so uh, after your playing career, you went on Northeastern State, you were a GA. So what was that? What was that first experience like for you? You know what? It was a great experience. Um, I had never left Maryville. You know, obviously I grew up there, went to college there. So I'd never really left long term and went to Northeastern State, had a chance to uh, uh, be with the legendary coach, Tom Eckert, uh, learned a ton. We had a really, really good team that year in 1998. We actually got beat by UCO uh, last game of the season. Uh, Peyton Lusk's dad uh, returned a kickoff against us for a touchdown that ended up being the game winner. And it, it, it kicked us out of the playoffs and obviously put them in and they had a phenomenal year that year. But, um, I just had learning something new, a, a new style of football. Uh, I was on the defensive side of the ball too. So I'd never worked on the defensive side of the ball, which was great for me. Uh, I, I mean, still to this day, the, the three dudes that, that I had the privilege to coach our three starting linebackers at Northeast Oklahoma. They were really, really, it almost, it almost spoiled me because then every job I was like, man, the talent's always going to be like this. But I had three dudes at that position that were phenomenal football players. Uh, so I got a chance to get out of town, learn new people. Um, J.J. Eckert, the head coach at Northeast Oklahoma, he was uh, uh, on staff at the time. Uh, so, you know, that was my first interaction with him. And he and I have remained friends since. And uh, so that was a big thing, new style of football. I uh, learned a new head coach, new offense. Then I was coaching defense, so it was a really good experience for me. Now, when when you when you started coaching defense, like how 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 big of an adjustment was that? Because here you were, offensive lineman, focused on offense, handling a whole different side of the ball. So I guess like how how long did it take you to really get comfortable uh, being on a defensive side of the ball? <laughs> you know, I don't know if I ever really got comfortable. Uh, I learned. <laughs> And I think this has always been a strength of mine. I learned really quickly that those three dudes were really good. And like all I was going to do is mess them up. And so I really just tried to help them from looking at an offensive line standpoint, like looking at the O-line splits, um, you know, tendencies. I tried, just tried to help them with stuff like that. Uh, not a lot of technique stuff because I was still learning it at the time. But, man, they were great to me, really helped me through that process. And again, um, you know, that was the first time I'd ever been on defense. Haven't been on it since. And uh, first time really working with special teams. And, and again, I really feel like that, that, uh, that really helped my career grow. And so then the following year, you end up back in Northwest Missouri, uh, where you all won a, a, a national championship. So now what, now what was that experience like? Because here you were, you're Northeastern State, you were close to the playoffs, UCL knocked you out, you go get to the playoffs and you win the whole thing. What was that experience like? Oh, it was great. You know, it was a great experience. Um, obviously, as a player, uh, not not my first couple of years, you know, my first year at Northwest when Coach Churchman got there, we were 0-11. So no, anybody that told you we were thinking of a national championship at that time would totally be lying to you. I mean, we had a hard time scoring touchdowns. Uh, but honestly, by my junior year, it had really – manifested into the program that that we felt like we could win a national championship. We, we couldn't get it done. Uh, my junior and senior year, we got beat by Northern Colorado, who went on to win it both of those years. So I never – I got a chance to experience a championship as a player. Um, went to the national championship game in 1998 and watched Northwest because uh, a lot of those guys, uh, my best friends, guys I played with, and 
then when I went back there in 99, again, it was it was a little bit unique because I was coaching guys that I'd played with. Uh, Steve Comer was our starting tight end that year. Mark Moss, Jared James, uh, TJ Snekloff. I still, to this day, those those guys are just good dudes. Uh, and they were also playing when I was playing because they were really good. All four of those guys were playing at a young age. And so um, great experience for me, not just because we won, but Again, I was coaching something new. I was coaching the tight ends, never done that. Really helped me grow in the passing game. Uh, and, and again, just a joy because those those four guys were uh, just very uh, unique personalities, fun dudes to be around. They made it fun each and every day, not just for us. I really felt like those guys were energy givers for the for the whole offense. And we, as a position group, we had a really, really good year that year. Those guys had uh, big-time statistics. And I think when I talked to Coach McGuire, I think he was also in a similar situation where he had to end up coaching guys that he played with. So how does that dynamic change someone going from teammates to now you're coaching them? Yeah, it, it you know what? I never had um, uh, an issue with it. It's just there's always because we were so tight as as teammates at Northwest. You know what I mean? Like there was just this always this mutual level of respect and love for each other. Um, and so, you know, I didn't go in there and try to be a hard ass or change anything. And, you know, I didn't expect them to change either. It was just a very uh, natural relationship that, you know, I think they, again, picked up, uh, knew that, I, that how passionate I was about football. And again, I really tried to help their progression in the run game, um, you know, their run blocking and, and really taking it from an O-lineman standpoint. And in turn, those guys were great on really helping me. Uh, learn coverages, um, route combinations with the tight ends. Because this is my personal opinion. I'm, I'm sure people would argue with me. In my opinion, corner or excuse me, quarterback's the hardest position to play. You know, I think corners up there. I think I think left tackle, but I, I think tight end in modern day football is a very hard position to play. Those guys have a very unique skill set. They have to be athletic. Got to catch, but they got to run block. They got to be able to block in space. They got to be able to block on the line of scrimmage, and so I, I really learned a lot from those guys that year. Uh, and then, and then after that season, you ended up at Dakota State in South Dakota. Now, what what was that adjustment like? Because here you were, you pretty much be either been in Missouri or no, you're in Oklahoma. Now you moved to South Dakota. Like, what, what was there? Was there like an adjustment there, kind of getting used to that area, or did you kind of feel yeah. comfortable, you know, early uh, on? It, it was never the area, the people, it, if you ever have been to South Dakota, spent a lot of time in South Dakota, uh, there's really, really, really good people in South Dakota. And so, honestly, that was the best part of my experience there. <laughs> uh, the football portion of it was not a great experience. Um, I think we had three scholarships. We were not a very well-funded program. Um, but I met a lot of really good young men there. Uh, on Some of them I still keep in contact with. Uh, met Coach Charlie Floor, who he and I ended up uh, working together at Northwest Missouri State um, for a long time. And so uh, really good people. But honestly, it was probably one of those. It was probably my first experience as a coach that really, you know, kind of hit me in the face on like, it doesn't matter how hard you work. Um, if you don't have talent and if you don't have the resources to go get talent, you're not going to win football games. And so it was a long, long year. Uh, we, we, uh, I think we won one, maybe two games. Um, we got beat a lot uh, by, by really big scores to little scores. And so uh, 
you know, it's funny though. I still have some really good memories uh, uh, from, from my time there. Uh, and so after after that, you you then you end up back in Missouri at William Jewell. At this point, though, because you you've been moving around almost like every year, you've been at a different place. Did it did it kind of get tiresome at that point of having to move every year? No, honestly, uh, that's probably the aspect I enjoyed the most. Again, just because I grew up and uh, just spent a lot of time in Maryville, never really had a chance to get out a ton. And so, honestly, I wasn't married, a single. You know, everything I owned, you could literally fit in a car. And so um, now nah, I went to William Jewell, had a great experience there. Uh, got to coach. Our head coach was legendary. Uh, so he's passed away since Dave Besore. Uh, just a great coach, high school coach, college coach. Uh, so, again, it was another great experience, a really good learning experience for me. You know, at this point in time now in my young career, I'd been at a Division II level, been at the NAIA, been at the Division III level. So. I really think all those experiences at the small college level really helped shape who I am today. Um, and, and it's just, honestly, I really think it was a blessing. Now, it was, it was challenging at some of the stops at times. Uh, but again, if you look holistically, I think it really, really helped me. Um, and then after you, you uh, spent a couple of years there, you end up back in Northwest where you we were able to stay for a significant amount of time. You worked your way up. Now, when you were able to work your way up from O line to OC to head coach, what 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 was that? What was that progression like? It was great because I think at every facet I learned. You know, uh, when I got back there, Bart Tatum, my position coach, moved to the OC and coached quarterbacks, and I coached the O line. I learned a ton from him. He's been a mentor and a friend of mine my entire life. Uh, I wouldn't be where I was without Bart. Uh, he's a guy that always, always has believed in me. Same with Coach Churchma. Uh, just two, two very influential men in my life that um, they just always believed in me. Quite honestly, a lot of times when other people didn't. And so um, again, I go back to the the plea. I mean, I was, I was going to work my tail off uh, for those guys just because I knew how they felt about me, and you know, I just, I didn't want to let them down. And so, you know, I was the O line coach, and then Bart got a head coaching job. Then was the offensive coordinator. Uh, and again, just being back with Coach Churchma, just uh, a wealth of knowledge, you know, a guy who's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, literally, um, you could learn something from that man every day. But the, the thing that I learned consistently, and I think it's hard in our profession, I, I really think it's hard. And it can be hard for me at times. It's like Mel just had this really great demeanor about him that always calm, cool and collective. Uh, he, he, the way he treats young men. Uh, and, but what he demands from them, uh, it, it's very, very powerful. And those kids know that he loves them like I did when I was a player. And that's something I've really tried to bring into my coaching style. Uh, you know, and I think kids really, if, if it's authentic and it's organic, I think they and they feel it. Um, and I just think it really creates a powerful atmosphere. And so, you know, my biggest challenge, my biggest worry is when uh, you know, Mel was gone and taking the head coaching. That that was a lot of pressure. I'd be lying to you if I told you otherwise. When you're following up a legend, uh, it, it can be challenging again because it was like, you know, how do you grow the program? Uh, how do you how do you even model what what he's been able to do? They've been able to do, you know, him, Bart, Scott, Jim, uh, John. Uh, and so it was just a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure. But, um, man, I had a great coaching staff. And and uh, we 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 had some really really good years and uh, just man had some really good players. 
And you mentioned having to handle that by handling the pressure. So how, how were how were you able to to do that? Well, I tell you, I think I think a unique thing. I think a lot of people in my in this again. I'm trying to one of the things that I'm good at. I, I feel like I have a, a you know a low ego, um, and, and I was very comfortable going to talk to Mel. Uh, Mel left for a while, and then they hired him back as the athletic director. But even when he was gone. I never, ever hesitated to pick up the phone uh, and pick his brain. And, you know, I'm just I'm not a guy that thinks I have all the answers. Um, I'm not. So I, I know my strengths, know my weaknesses. And so that, that was a big one, just embracing. Like, I wasn't going to look at that man and go like, man, he's putting a lot of pressure on me. I was putting that pressure on myself. And I'm like, that guy's always been my mentor. And nothing's going to change. And, uh, you know, he was very instrumental still in, in helping me through that process. Uh, and you, you you had a great run. Obviously, you you made the playoffs all the years you were there. Uh, you won three national championships. So now what? Because having won one there as a GA, and then you won one as a head coach. What, what was it? A different feeling, and if it was, in what regard? Yeah, it, it certainly was. Um, the the one thing that you never read in those stat lines, you know, because. Wherever you're working, they they make those stat lines really positive. What you, what you, what you don't read in there is we lost four national championship games in a row. Um, you know when I whether I was the O line coach or the coordinator, and so I really think you got to talk about that a little bit because I think that really helped us when I was a head football coach because it really you know the guys that was I was on staff with were also a part of those losses, and so there was really this this feeling of man we've we, we, we got all this way. We didn't get it done. And so, you know, my last year as a, as the offensive coordinator, uh, we finally won the fifth times a charm. We won the national championship against Grand Valley. Uh, but again, just, just having to be resilient, uh, have a growth mindset, uh, be able to have the courage to go back and look at those losses, which can be very difficult uh, and say, Hey, where were my shortcomings? How can I get better? Uh, take responsibility, uh, you know, for, for, the, the mistakes that you made, you know, be out in front, be transparent with the players and just be like, this is, this is what I've learned and and how we're going to, you know, grow from it. So I think that really helped me then as a head coach, but just, there's just a different feeling when you're a head coach uh, of winning. And I, and I would, I would take that probably a step farther. Um, you know, it's just my alma mater uh, to, to be able to play there and win a national championship. Just, it, it was just very special. It's something I'll remember the rest of my life. And and so, how, how were you all able to finally get over that that hump after being closed all those years? Yeah, I think it just we we'd get the guys back into it. And so, if you really think about the years, I mean, just the consistency that we were playing with in the you know two thousand and four all the way up to now, uh, it's just the consistency, and that that's one of the things I always challenge. Um, fans on, I always challenge Bearcat fans on, like they're almost spoiled. Um, because the level of student athlete that's coming through that place, uh, it's it's special. You know, it's something we're trying to emulate here, and it's something I talk to, to our players about. Not in a trying to be negative, like "Hey, you're not this." It's more of like, "Hey, I've been there when they were bad, and this is how they got good. So this is what we have to do." And you know, you have to embrace the challenges along the way. And 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 that program, I think, just exemplifies uh, that consistency all the way through. But, you know, those losses, I think um, there's a couple things. I think we 
changed some things at what we were doing offensively. I think it changed a little bit of how we were recruiting uh, to, to, to be able to play with the Duluth, the Grand Valleys. I mean, those guys were Valdosta State. Those, those guys had dudes at that time. Um, and so quite honestly, I think it changed a little bit of how we were recruiting and some schematics that we did on both sides of the football offense and defense. Uh, and now, because you you won, you ended up winning two more after that. So, how were you able to to kind of keep the hunger there? Because I feel like it could get not easy, but you could get complacent after winning one and after being there so many times. So, how were you kind of able to keep the team motivated and 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 hungry to go out there and, and continue to win? Yeah, that's honestly that's really all on the players uh, and the assistant coaches. Just you know, they're the guys every day digging the ditches and we had really, really good players. But like you said, what I think makes it unique is not only were they talented, but just the consistency, how they were able to reset every year. And, and, and I mean this, like if, if people would have been in our first meetings in January, you know, the national championship game, I think was always around the December 20th, take a little break. You know, we're starting school anywhere from January the 12th to the 15th. But seeing that group of guys in the meeting room, you know, less than a month after winning a national championship, I was always so amazed how quick they reset. It was like, hey, man, that's over. Winter conditioning starts tomorrow. Uh, Nobody cares about what we did last year. And so just that mentality that our players had. And again, that comes from leadership. The great leadership we had on those teams was just, uh, you you know, you've heard the phrase, uh, a player-led football team. We were truly a player-led football team. And again, something I've talked with our players about here at UCO, and it's something I think our guys are doing a really good job of embracing here and trying to do. And so um, it, it's really exciting for me again. Uh, and so after your time there, you you, you move on to Abilene Christian. Now, I, what was it about Abilene Christian that made you interested in the job? Because with the level of success that you had at your alma mater, I imagine that wasn't necessarily an easy choice to leave all that to go to Abilene. Yeah, you know, um, again, just looking at my career, I've never I, – I don't want to be a guy when I'm old and gray if, if I get that opportunity to ever look back and say, you know, I, I wish I would have tried this or, or what if. And, you know, certainly it didn't work out, um, and it was a tough decision. Uh, probably the biggest thing I, I thought at the time that there was going to be this um, – really vast commitment to football there, um, you know, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a tough place. They're moving from D2 to division one, you know, you're playing Baylor army, Virginia, you, you know, those are just, those are very hard games uh, to compete in consistently. And then obviously uh, the league itself was really good with uh, Sam, the Sam Houston States of the world, the central Arkansas, um, you know, Southeast Louisiana, nickel state, just really good programs. Uh, but I learned a lot. I really did. Um, again, I, I, I don't ever look at stuff in a negative aspect. Obviously, there was definitely diff- disappointments uh, along the way. But, you know, I've really reset here and, and um, just grown. And I tell you, I've been extremely – I feel extremely blessed to be here, but, but very happy. I just really like where our team is right now. And the, the work ethic that they're exhibiting uh, consistently is something I, I really enjoy being around. Uh, and then the um, 2020 season, I've talked to some guys that played at other schools during that time. But as a head coach in that year, what was that experience like almost like daily, not knowing 
if you all were going to have a game or not. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was really tough. I, I think I think the thing that stands out to me that I'm most disappointed in in that season uh, is our seniors never got a senior day. Uh, we were only able to play one home game. Um, every other game we had to play on the road, which, you know, that's that's very challenging when you're going to Army. We went to Army that year, went to Virginia that year. Um, you know, you're talking ACC and, you know, you know, Army. <laughs> that's a very, very, very tough style of football, the option. But that was the big thing that stood out to me, man. We had some really bad uh, luck that year as far as some COVID cases at real inopportune times. But the biggest thing I've, I'm disappointed because I know the players wars, we, they never got a chance to play, you know, at home uh, and have a, have a senior uh, a senior game, which I, I know was really disappointing to some of those guys. Uh, and so after your time at Abilene, at, at some point you you noticed that the UCO job is open. What was it about the UCO job that 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 made you interested in it? You know, honestly, um, I had to make a couple calls, honestly, first to get interested in it, because the last time I was on campus, I was, you know, it, it, let's let's face it, it, it was probably one of the worser jobs in the MIAA. Uh, facilities weren't very good. I don't think they were fully, I know they weren't fully funded at the time uh, from a budget standpoint to scholarship standpoint. And so, you know, I had to make a couple calls and I had to hear from people that, hey, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same way, but hey, I was there last year. Or AD, you got, you just got to go check it out. And again, when I started to get online and then when I got on campus, uh, I was just blown away because you talk about a total trans information from the last time I was here. I mean, it just, it, it was unbelievable. So, you know, that really got me excited. Uh, the second thing was um, talking to Stan, the athletic director, uh, you know, I, I don't care what anybody says, a college head coach in any sport is going to come or go with the athletic director. And so, you know, I wasn't looking at being at a place uh, that had multiple athletic directors turning over all the time. And that was something we experienced at ACU. Um, I believed in Stan. I saw Stan's vision, talked to him, read his bio. You know, Edmund Guy uh, played baseball here. His dad was an athletic director for years. And so that was the second thing. And I, really, after those two things, um, you know, I was I was really, really interested after looking at those two things. So now kind of walk me through that first 24, 48 hours after you got the job. What kind of were the immediate steps after that? Yeah, the first one was just, it, it, to, the, to me, it was really important to get in front of the players. And so, uh, you know, in the, this day of the transfer portal, it's very easy for those young men to step in there. We all know that, uh, you know, that, that is what it is. But I feel like I got out ahead of that. Um, I got in front of the players and, and I, I asked them to please give me a semester. Uh, I assured them that we were going to be able to hire quality assistant coaches. Uh, I explained to them uh, how the university uh, it, it was allowing me to go out and do that, you know, and we've got smart kids here. And so I think once I explained to them, hey, here's going to be the style of football, you know, here's what I want to be about. Um, but bottom line, if you just give me five months, four months, um, I, I, I think you'll like it. And by the way, if you don't like it, you know, I'll help you transfer after spring football. And, you know, a credit to our kids here. We we had very, very few kids leave the program. Very few. And so. Again, that's a testament to, I think, uh, the, the type of, of young men that are here. 
Uh, and and now because you got the job, it was in December, I believe. Our signing day was very close. We had to put together staff and then try to go out and get a a class. So when you were putting your staff together, what was 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 there like a a, a blueprint in your mind of how you wanted the staff constructed, and did you feel like you you were able to get the best group of of guys to help build your build your program? Yeah, I I do. I feel I feel like I hit a home run. UCL hit a home run on our hires. Uh, you know, if I look at offense first. It was very important to me. I wanted to try to bring Coach Curley uh, with me and Coach Lamberson uh, and Coach Donald. And you know, Josh was here for uh, maybe a month, a few weeks, and then he got hired at Central Missouri State as the head coach, which was a great opportunity for him. So we had a lot of consistency coming with me uh, from from ACU on what we wanted to do on offense, just our approach, the culture we want to create internally. And then uh, that was one. And then Dimitri Donald, I felt like it was really important that we have a dynamic recruiting coordinator. Uh, and we have that here. And, and Dimitri really set us up, our entire staff, to, to have a great recruiting class. And we did. We had a great recruiting class for the first year in a short amount of time. And then I looked at it defensively and just the evolving game of, of college football uh, as a head football coach, I've always been an even front guy everywhere I've been. And I just philosophically, I've changed that. And I'm looking at it from an offensive standpoint, an O-line standpoint. So I really wanted to hire a guy who could be an even guy, an odd guy, run bear, uh, just do a lot uh, in the defense. I just think you've got to be able to be very versatile uh, with all the different offenses you see nowadays. You know, you're going to see teams uh, they're going to try to run the option. You're going to see teams that are spread teams throw it around the yard. And so was able to go out and get uh, Brandon Lechtenberg, who'd been a very successful coordinator before, was at Incarnate Word. Uh, and those guys were crushing it down there, making the playoffs, making some deep playoff runs. And then was able to hire his brother. Uh, his, and so that was a great dynamic. Uh, his brother came from Virginia Tech as a running backs coach. And uh, so, yeah, uh, Rashad Sanders was the D-line coach here. I kept him on staff. You know, everybody I talked to uh, about his character, work ethic, his ability to recruit, and then, you know, how many players came to me immediately and and just, you know, vouched for Rashad, what kind of coach he was. So I, I feel great where we're at right now with the coaching standpoint. And then, you know, internally in the weight room, we've, we've made some changes there, but Clint Van Curen, uh, who would hear before, is, is working with football. And we honestly just got done – testing this morning so they're tallying up our test results right now and i'm i'm really really excited to look at those because I, I think we had a great summer yeah because i when i was i was um listening to you at media day you you mentioned that you felt the team they were deficient in some areas in the weight room uh but made great strides so like in 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 what what areas did you feel like the the team was lacking to you well, just if you if you looked at the strength numbers that they presented me when I got here, I, I knew they weren't where they needed to be, especially for the offense and defensive linemen, the tight ends, the fullbacks, the linebackers, you know, guys that are playing on the line of scrimmage or near to it. Uh, you know, I was I was comparing that to where I'd been and I knew what we needed to have. And so just just restructuring down there, the amount of time, how we're doing it, what we're doing while we're in there. And then the big thing was. I don't know the exact numbers they've had in the past in the summer. You know, the, somebody's told me anywhere from 45 to 55, and we had a 109 guys stay here this summer. Um, and, and, you know, that's a testament to our players. I mean, we can't give them anything. 
to be here in the summer. They are all working out at seven o'clock in the morning and then they go work jobs or take classes. And so, uh, you know, just the level of work those guys put in and the commitment they put in this summer, you know, it's just going to give us a chance because I, I know not every program across the country at Division Two can do that. So it was great to see our guys really make that commitment to each other and do that. Uh, and, and and you mentioned that it was important to you to bring Coach Curley and Coach Donald with you. Why did you feel the the need to bring those two along with you to UCO? Yeah, I just I feel like I didn't want to have just a brand new offense and a brand new defense. You know, uh, I, I figured I'd be spending some time with the defense, about what they're doing, learning what they're doing, making sure they understood what you know what what I was expecting, and so I didn't want to have to worry about that on both sides of the football and. And plus, I, I just think it's important that when you're taking something over, you, there, there's got to be some guys with you that you're comfortable with, uh, that know how you work and how you want to work and what you want, how you want things done. Uh, there's always going to be some newness anywhere you go, even with people you know. But uh, if you can minimize that where it's not wholesale across the staff, I, I think that's really important. Uh, and then you you touched on that you felt like you you went out and you signed a, a really good class. When I was looking at that class. I, I mean, every position I felt was addressed well, often quarterback on down. But I know you're the offensive line coach. So looking at that offensive line class that you were able to put together, at least to me, it was like a bunch of big physical dudes that could move. What do you like most about that class you were able to put together? Yeah, I think it's it's a very diverse group. If you look at them, uh, all of them have had uh, – opportunities in high school to play multiple positions. Uh, three of them have played center before, and that's always a little bit of a worry if, if you're not having enough centers on your team. And so three of them have literally started multiple years at the center position. Uh, two of the other ones have played tackle guard, right side, left side. So just the diversity in the group. Uh, and like you said, there was a couple of them that still, you know, and we talked about in the recruiting process, I'm not a I'm not a 300 pound guy, man. I just, I, I, I think there's too many high school players uh, right now that are coming out of high school and playing small college ball that are, they're too big, too heavy. Um, you know, obviously the power five guys, you got guys that are six, five, six, six, that can, that are athletic enough and powerful enough. They can hold that 300, you know, frame, but I think you have to be very special and very elite as an athlete to do that. And so, you know, we've really focused on on getting our body fat down, trimming up. I love guys in that 285 to 295 range, you know, depending on their athleticism and their their body fat numbers. But um, I, I just want guys that have feet uh, and, and that are, you know, tenacious. And those are, you know, two of the, the biggest things I look for. And I, I think we got that with our recruiting class. Uh, and then you you also you were able to, to dip in, into both the, the Juco ranks and the portal and you found some guys. Now, when you were kind of going that direction, like what what were you looking for in those guys? Because uh, it's important you find dudes obviously that come in to help you, but also that fit your culture. So kind of what when you kind of ap- approach that, what what were you looking for? And, and you felt like you were able to get those those guys that fit what you're looking for. Yeah, you know, start on the offensive side of the football. Um, we, I looked at the quarterback position right away, and there was, you know, hardly any um, experience at the quarterback position. So uh, that's not a knock against the guys that are here. Uh, but I didn't know what they could or couldn't do. So I felt like we had to address that pretty quickly or try to. 
Uh, and then you go through spring football, and, and we were able to uh, address the quarterback position uh, through high school recruiting. Feel like we've we've got a really good prospect uh, coming from the state of Arkansas. Uh, you know, he's going to be in the mix to compete in this fall. Uh, and then we went out and got Peyton Thompson from uh, Oklahoma State, uh, from Tulsa. Uh, you know, coach's kid uh, had a really good high school career. So for me, that was number one. I mean, you, you just you can't. To me, you can't ever have enough quarterbacks. And so making sure there was enough guys there that had the talent that fit what we were looking for uh, to, to generate competition. And then after that, you know, you're always looking for transfers on the defensive line. I don't ever think you can have enough of them. Uh, and then really running back spot, we were trying to address uh, a few DBs, a couple linebackers. But if you looked at our overall numbers at those positions, they weren't they weren't great by any means. And so we were able to have the capability to go out and recruit guys. So we really got a really good balance and mix of, of uh, high school players and, and transfer players. Um, you know, junior college will always be uh, uh, sparingly with me. I don't believe you can go wholesale in the junior college route. Uh, obviously, I think there's a really good NEO junior college here uh, in the state. Uh, and a lot of those kids are from Oklahoma. And so uh, the Texas junior colleges, Kansas junior colleges, you know, those are in our back doors and good football. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a really good mix of transfers uh, and high school guys. Four year, couple couple JC guys. Uh, and Nesman, that that you kind of touched on a mini day. You you said that you you wanted to build this team with high school guys. Now I, I when I because I, I look at the sub programs, I think like Texas State now they're recruiting almost exclusively through the portal. Um, there, there's some programs like UTEP and Kansas that kind of went the JUCO route and then it backfired and kind of in like a hole now. So why is it important to you to, to mainly build build the foundation with those high school guys? Well, I, I think it, first and foremost, you got to look at where you're at. Uh, one of the things that really excited me about the job and why I wanted to take the job, uh, recruiting is not an exact science. And so, you know, I challenge our guys all the time, like, if all you're looking at is the film and football, like you're wrong. Like you, you got to find other metrics, other measurables. Uh, I've had a lot of success um, signing multi-sport guys, whether they were wrestling football, track football, because you had you had realistic numbers on them, uh, speed numbers, jumping numbers, throwing shot and disc. To me, you can correlate that stuff out on, on the power index, so to speak, and then. You know, any any kid in the state of Oklahoma that's that's going to the state wrestling meet, I promise you, he's he's tough. And so you you get that carryover into football. Football's a it, it's a man's game. It's a violent game. Uh, and so I think you get a lot of carryover from those guys there. But uh, the big thing is looking at where you're at. And, and, and Oklahoma has great high school football. And so, you know, we, we don't need to go far. Uh, and, and that's I felt like been really reciprocated from the the uh, high school coaches. There's a ton of great high school coaches in this state uh, that really encourage our guys to do multi-sports, which I think is really important to a, a kid's overall well-being. Uh, and then he's not tapped out when he gets to college. And then to me, you got to be at a state where where they want their guys to stay in state. And it was very, very apparent to me talking to high school coaches that are UCO alums. It's just like, you know, we, we want our kids to stay in the state of Oklahoma. And Real candidly, if a kid can't play at OU or OSU, which that's hard, SEC and Big 12 is hard to do. Uh, I really feel like this is a destination place for for Oklahomans 
uh, for, for young men, if they can't go play at one of those two places, I, I think we will realistically have a chance to get those kids. Uh, and, and another thing that you 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 mentioned uh, immediately, that you you said that you were you were surprised about the the level of talent that you had inherited when you took over. What what do you like most about that group that you inherited? They're tough. We we've got a tough group of guys, you know. And how do I measure that? Yeah, obviously you got to watch them in practice, uh, but to me you got to watch how they work in conditioning. Uh, you know, try to get a sense of their grit and their their physical and mental toughness. Uh, and then you just start looking at their backgrounds, uh, multi-sport kids, ton of wrestlers, uh, some really good track players. But then just like how many young men we have in our program that uh, are working other jobs? Like, you, you know what I mean? Our guys are on full ride scholarships. And so I was super impressed with our level of toughness uh, when I got here. And it's something that stood out to me and talking to the players, you know, it was they, there's just ever since we've been here, it's just like, hey, we we want to be good. Uh, just just help us, and we have. We've just tried to give them the tools to do that, and you know, press them to get a little bit better each and every day, and and uh, you know, give them some tools to go out and be successful. And we're hoping, you know, that comes to fruition this fall. And on that front, you know, when I was talking to us, especially the older guys, like the. Peyton Scott's, the Johnny Bizels, the Lane Grantham's, they 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 really seem like they really want to. Turn this around before they leave. So, taking over a program that's had two of two losing seasons to have guys with that mindset that that want to win and want to win now. How does that kind of help you along uh, in the rebuilding process? Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think there's um, there's a hunger there, so they're going to put in the work to do it. That's number one. Uh, number two, I think it 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 kind of it shows you the mindset of guys that they believe they can do it. They believe that there is the talent that we can do it. But probably, probably for me, the thing that's, again, I, I really like our staff really likes is just how common sense and how realistic our guys are. You know, it's not like we got a bunch of guys sitting up in a room going, Hey, let's go win a national championship. Like it's guys like, Hey man, let, how can we beat Emporia state? That's we haven't done for many moons. You know, how do we beat Northeast Oklahoma for the President's Cup that's Thursday night, October? That's a big game. We're hoping to have a huge crowd here. Uh, we're having a, a all white. We're going to wear white at home and trying to do a white out. And so I just loved their approach. Like, how do we beat Pitt State? We haven't beat Pitt State for, for a long time. And, and just their common sense to like, oh, by the way, Pitt State and Emporia State are doing a phenomenal job of recruiting the state of Oklahoma. And so... You know, how how can we keep kids from leaving Oklahoma and, and get them to stay at UCO? So just that common sense approach on like, hey, let's 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 take this thing in steps. Let's set realistic goals. Uh, and let's not even start by talking about wins and losses. Let's, let's start by talking about our, our lack of strength. So we got to get in the weight room. We got to get stronger. Our, our, our lack of, of having good springs, our lack of, of not having total commitment buy in in the summer. And so. That's what I loved about this group. Like they get it. They're smart dudes. It's like this thing's got to go uh, uh, in in pieces. It's got we got to have an approach. It's not we're not just going to slap a bunch of stuff up on the wall and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna win this many games or we're gonna win a championship. Like and and that's the goal. We want to do that, but uh, there's a lot of things that have to go in uh, before you even get a chance to do something like that. Uh, and and you touched on spring how. 
how 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 would you say your your first spring ball here went for you? Great, thought thought it went great. Very very competitive, high energy. Uh, Fifteen practices. Uh, we only had what I would term two bad ones, and one of them was the spring game when the lightning hit. So there's nothing we could do about it. But we only had one what I would term one bad practice uh, as a team the whole spring. So you know that's a pretty good sign of consistency. Uh, and the offensive line unit uh, last last season it, it bared the brunt of a lot of criticism from fans just because of the lack of consistency there. Uh, what did you see out of that unit in the in the in the spring, and, and you feel confident in that group uh, heading into fall camp? Yeah, I, I mean, I've been an O line guy my whole life. We we have guys here that can that can get it done. Uh, I, I believe in our guys. Uh, I think it's a talented group. I think it's a group that's hungry. Uh, I think it's a group that there's a lot of athleticism in the group. When you look at guys like Noah Dobson at, you know, 6'3", 340 pounds, and he can dunk a basketball, Montreal Lee, Lane Grantham, you know, he's 275, 280 pounds, 6'1", but he's just, he's a really good athlete. He's scrappy, great hand-eye coordination. So, I, you know, I don't believe that at all. I don't buy that at all. You know, I've told them that we're, we're going to we're going to have a productive good offensive line this year. I really believe that and you know, it's a testament to the leaders at that group what they've really been uh working on with all the other guys, what they've demanded. It's going to be young. I mean, you know, there's not a senior in the group. Lane's the oldest dude is a junior and really there's only two guys that got college playing experience. So I think I think as the season goes, my hope is that you just see see it get a little bit better each and every week, but you know, there's some things that we have to do as coaches to help the offensive line out. You know, there's we got to be better at running the football. You know, that's an old lineman's best friend. You got to commit to running the football and you got to get guys uh, to believe in it. And I think you have to have multiple schemes in the running game uh, for the team you're playing that week. And we're not just going to say, oh, we can't run the ball they're, because they're great on the defensive line. Well, there's a lot of good D lines in this league. So, you know, you may have to be creative on how you do it. Um, how do we get playmakers the football? That's another thing that I think. Uh, we've been very cognitive of, uh, of just trying to get guys more involved uh, on a consistent basis that are, you know, are your playmakers, so to speak. Uh, and I believe Lane is Lane, at least in the spring. When I talked to him. He told me he's he's back at center. He was been at guard. How has that gone, uh, in your opinion, from 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 him now moving back into center? Good. He makes all our protection calls. You know, I've always believed in. Um, I always try to make the system very quarterback friendly. And so uh, we, we always put that on the center to make the protection calls to get get him quarterback, the running back on the same page. Lane's done a great job with that. He's got a really good football IQ. And, um, you know, we really try to simplify those protections and we just want everybody playing at a fast level. But uh, he, he's done really well. Uh, and then you 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 kind of you you touched on the scheme. Now I, I, I when I talked to Coach Curley, it seemed like you all are switching to more of a pro style type offense. Now in the past, you see we we we've been spread, and I think when some people hear pro style, they immediately think of like the Big Ten Iowa three four yards of carry. It was just going to be long grinding drives. But you all have some playmakers out there at receivers, some explosive guys. You have quarterbacks with 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 ability and and big arms so can fans expect to see some big plays out of this out of this offense yeah we sure hope I mean I, I think it's no secret I think if you can run the football it puts a lot of stress on a defense and it, that's where you're going to get big plays you know I think the one thing the casual fan doesn't understand is that those three and four yard runs 
they may not look sexy, but they're usually setting something else up, whether it's a screen off of it or a play action pass. And so, you know, those those four, three and a half to five yard runs are very, very important. Uh, they wear a defense out. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to line up in multiple personnel groupings. We want to run the ball, you know, out of everything. Uh, two tight ends, 21 personnel, open, Trey, I mean, Deuce. We, we, we want to be able to run the football out of every personnel group and every formation. Uh, going to be big on play action passing. And just in, in between that, it's, you know, how do you get the playmakers of football, whether it's jet sweeps or screens reverses, whatever, I think uh, you're going to see a very creative, fun offense that, that people like to watch. Uh, and and w- w- earlier you you mentioned that you do believe that tight end is kind of one of those positions in modern day football is really hard. You have a really good tight end eights back in Dante McGee, I felt like has been one of the better ones in the conference, has really been utilized as he should. How, I mean, a, a man of his size and ability is rare on any level, but like how 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 big is it to have a, a chess piece like Dante in your offense? Yeah, he he's really good. I I think he has a chance to have a really good year if he can stay healthy. I, I think he I think he can be really special this year. Uh, the, the the offense that I've always run it's very tight end friendly. We're always trying to get the tight ends involved. We are going to get him involved in our game plan each and every week. We're going to find ways to get him the football. Uh, I think what makes him talented is his route content. He can go out. He can flex. Uh, or he can be on the ball and run really good routes. I think he gets separation. He can read zones really well. He feels man really well. He's just got a natural presence, but he can block the C gap. Uh, I mean, he can put his hand in the ground. He can block the C gap. Uh, you know, we've trimmed him up. He's lost like 12 pounds. He looks great. Um, uh, you know, so we're, we're very excited for him because I, I agree with you. I think, I think he has a chance to have a great year. Uh, and and now on the roster, I've noticed you, you have a, you have an ace back position and a tight end position. Now, I think a lot of people are going to say usually it's one or the other. Either you have an ace back and there's no real tight end, or you have a tight end and there's no real ace back. So why do you choose to use both an ace back and a tight end in your offense? Yeah, again, it's just we we I don't ever want to be like, hey, this kid can't do that. We don't ask kids to do things they can't. And, and then we don't look at it negative either, like he can't do something. We always are finding the positive, what can he do? Uh, and I think it takes a special tight end to be able to play on the football consistently to block the C-gap. Uh, if a guy isn't quite there in his career yet, and I think we have a couple of those guys, uh, some redshirt freshmen, newcomers to our program that I think are super, super athletes. Uh, by putting him at, you know, quote, unquote, that H-back spot, it, they're, they're more working in space perimeter blocking, they're working angles, blocking, you know, slicing across and blocking. So I think it just plays to their skill set where they may not be as strong as you want yet, or they may not have, you know, the weight that you want them to be carrying yet. And so, but they have the ability to run good routes or, or just, you know, they're good playmakers. And I think we have a couple of those. And so to me, that's why you use both. Uh, and then in the, in the running game, I feel like you also inherited one of the better uh, duos in the conference in Jace Gardner and Peyton Scott. Uh, I know Jace was kind of banged up some in the in the in the in the spring, but like what what do you what do you like about those two and what they can bring to your offense? Yeah, you know Jace, he he didn't participate in spring football at all, so he's coming off a, a injury. Uh, he's good to go now. He's gone the whole season, so don't know a ton about him other than what I saw from last year. And I I do I think he had did some really good things as a freshman. You know, Peyton is just as tough. You know, what we, we talked about, he was a great competitor, great high school wrestler. 
you look at him and you're like, okay, well, he looks, uh, you know, I've heard people use the word small. Well, you know, pound for pound, he's the strongest, one of the strongest guys on our football team. And so um, he's really hard to see behind the line of scrimmage on what we do on the outside zone play. I think he's great at sticking his foot in the ground and getting vertical. But, but outside the football aspect, he's just been, he's been as important, if not more important, with his leadership. Uh, the accountability that he helps foster at that position, uh, just the energy he brings. I think he's very well known across campus, and he's going to be a very, very successful young man uh, in everything that he does. Uh, and, and looking at quarterback, you know, you touched on you brought in Peyton Thompson, but I, I know a lot of fans were intrigued by what they saw out of uh, Stephon Brown last year. Uh, there were times he he made you say wow, and then there were times he made you say wow, but not in a good way. So now, what have you seen from him so so far? Have you seen a, a growth out of him, and is is he where you want him to be uh, heading into fall camp? Yeah, he's been he's been great. Uh, again, leadership. Uh, he was voted on the leadership council. He's done a phenomenal job. Work ethic. Uh, you know, he gets in the weight room and gets after it. And, that, and you know, when a quarterback does that, they, they, they naturally gain a lot of respect from the entire team. If, you know, a quarterback gets in the weight room and he does the hang clings and he's pushing himself in the squat, uh, I think they naturally get a lot of street credit there. Um, I think anybody would also tell you the hardest, uh, the, the hardest uh, when a new coaching staff comes in, new system, it's really hard on quarterbacks. And so, you know, our completion percentage this spring wasn't where I wanted it to be. Uh, but that's not just the quarterback. You know, that's new offensive line learning, new protections, uh, receivers running a new route tree, a new concept. So uh, Steph's had a really good summer. Uh, spent a lot of time with the guys throwing. I just want to see him uh, in, increase his completion percentage, his productivity, uh, decision-making. Because athletically, uh, there's no doubt in my mind he can certainly do it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to watching him compete this fall. Because I, I thought he had a, I thought he had a good spring, but I think he's had a really good summer. Oh uh, yeah, because when I last talked to him, he he mentioned how he's starting to um, understand the film better. Would, would you would, 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 would you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know, again, it's our it's our job as coaches to uh, to, to to instill confidence in these young men, and again, put them in a position to uh, to do what they they can do. And I think one of the things that all of our quarterbacks will find out about me, you know, we 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 grade everything in spring football. Uh, we grade everything uh, in the fall. And so once we get in there, we start looking at the numbers, the completion percentage by concept. You know, at the end of the day, before we take the field at Missouri Western, you know, whoever the quarterback is, it's going to be with all of them. It's going to be a very uh, transparent, open line of communication. It doesn't matter what I want to do. It matters what they're comfortable with doing, what they can see. And I think I think there's a level of trust there that the the player really has to trust you and believe in you before they're comfortable with saying, I'm not good at that or I, I don't see it well. Because I think there's this natural for, for players to go, well, if I say that to a coach, you know, he's he's not going to have confidence in me. I, I'm the opposite. I want to hear from those guys. And so just continuing to reiterate to all of our quarterbacks, hey, we're going to give you feedback, but we need feedback. You know, if you don't understand something, if you can't see something, you know, I've had tall quarterbacks, short quarterbacks. Sometimes the shorter guys, they struggle with with three-step, the quick game. And so just giving that feedback, you know, uh, from our guys on, on what they're good at and what they, what they don't like, um, you know, but I'm confident between the guys that we have here, we, we can, we can uh, produce a really good quarterback. 
Uh, and then at what at what receiver? There was a lot of turnover in that uh, in that unit from graduations and departures. And so I look at it, I see there's a lot of younger guys that have great explosiveness. Javion Dangerfield, um, I'm forgetting the 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 kid from Charlton. And then you you signed some really good players, Jalen Reed, uh, Kevion Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you brought in Madison Ridgeway from the JUCO ranks. W- what? What have you seen from that unit in in the um, spring? Yeah, so, you know, first and foremost, um, Coach Curley, our receiver coach, uh, co-OC, he he gets that room to understand really quickly that if you want the rock, you got to block. That's a saying we have around here, and it's it's not talk. Like, if a dude's not going to block for the run game, he he will not play for us. And so um, Coach Curley made that very – clear to them and those guys have embraced it. And so, you know, I watched film last year and yeah, there were some talented receivers catching balls, but I I don't think it was a great group when it comes to uh, blocking for the run game. And in my opinion, you get your big runs. A lot of times you get your explosive runs from receivers finishing their blocks downfield, you know, and they've got to take pride in it. So first and foremost, as a group, they've done a really good Good job of embracing that this spring. Uh, and then after that, uh, I love the group because to me, there's some guys in there that run really crisp, uh, big bodied, shorter routes, uh, great catch radiuses. And then we have a couple guys in there that can just, I mean, they're, they're speed merchants and they can go and they're catching the deep ball really, really well. They did it in the spring. They continue to do it in the summer and, and hopefully it considers so. I love the group overall because I love their toughness, number one. I think it's a very competitive group. So, you know, naturally, you know, competition is a coach's best friend. Those guys got to show up every day. But just the diversity of, of, of what we have in that group, you know, we got big, tall guys that can win 50-50 balls and, and run really good short routes. And then we got some guys that can take jet sweep to the house and run really good double move routes down the field. So uh, it, it'll be a fun group to play with. And when you mentioned blocking, the first thing that came to my mind was joining by Zelda Fourth. Just watching him the past couple of years, he just seemed by far the best blocking receiver. Which is it's weird because he was a quarterback, so you don't you didn't really expect that. And he's he's also been willing to go across the middle to make the tough catch. Uh, when I talked to him, he mentioned um, he, he was trying to become more of a vocal leader. Uh, how have you felt like he's been in that? in that department and how do you feel about him overall heading into fall camp? Awesome. Uh, again, if you said, Hey, just pleasant surprise, it's been him because he has, he's done a great job being a vocal leader. Uh, he he's led by how he conducts his business each and every day in the weight room on the field, the accountability that he's really demanding from the young guys. Cause we got some young guys at that group. Uh, you know, so setting that example for them each and every day, but, uh, he is. He's tough. You know, he'll get it in there and mix it up. Uh, and I, we love the fact that he has that quarterback background because he really helps him, I feel like, find windows and seams to work into because he has that that quarterback mentality. Uh, and then looking on defense, obviously the defensive line last year, it, probably the best in the conference. Uh, I thought Coach Sanders did a, did a really good job there. Uh, you were turning the bulk of that line, Robert Fuentes, Michael Slater, Hunter Largent. Uh, Zane Adams, Mike Pope Jr. But then you also went out and you brought in Julius Coates from Arkansas. Now, I'm not going to lie. I saw the size on him, and I, <laughs> I was like, did the rich just get richer there? So <laughs> why why did you, I, I, I guess, 
make a, a, a concerted effort to, to add more depth to that defensive line. Yeah, I just, I mean, to me, if you can be dominant on the D-line, I think, because I've seen it with my own eyes, you, if you're really dominant on the D-line, you may, you may just be average at some other defensive positions, but it, does, it doesn't look like they're average because the time for the quarterback to throw – uh, it, it lessens uh, their ability to stop the run and make an offense one-dimensional. I, you know, I've just been of the philosophy, you can't ever have enough D linemen. Modern college football, I mean, you know, we're going to play 10 guys easily and roll those guys in there. We want guys that are fresh. Uh, our guys do a great job, Coach Sanders does, Coach Leck, of personnelling them. I think we have some guys that are more run-stopping, uh, and then we have some guys that are, I think, more natural pass rushers and so again, just getting them in a position to to do things that they're good at. Uh, and then looking at the back end, that linebacking core to me, or, or probably is, is about the biggest question mark in terms of last year's starters are gone. And then the guys, you have Marlowe and Jason Harris. They're both coming off, you know, injury riddled past couple of seasons. And then Jaden Mullen also has some injuries. What did you see out of that group in the spring and, and you also brought in some transfers as well. What did you like about those guys? Yeah, no, you're right. Probably for us on paper immediately, we were very concerned about the linebacker position just because there wasn't a lot of guys on scholarship at that position. Um, you know, like you just alluded to, we had two guys coming off pretty significant injuries. You know, you never know how they're going to uh, respond in, in the summer condition, which they've both been great. But uh, Noah West was playing D-line last year. Uh, Noah's done a phenomenal job. Uh, he's lost some weight. He slimmed up, and we've moved him back to linebacker. He had a great spring, uh, and he had a really, really good summer. So that's that's been able to help. Blake Barron uh, transferred from Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, Blake played there, uh, logged some quality time. I You know, I think that kid can help us. Uh, high motor, very athletic. And then Connor Johnson. Connor was here last year but had to redshirt. Uh, I, I think Connor has a chance to be special. Uh, tall, rangy uh, young man. He's really done a great job with his body. He's up in that 235, uh, 240 range. And so, obviously, you got Jason coming back um, with a lot of experience, which we're looking to help. But, you know, two guys, Jack Puckett and then Chase Faber, uh, two freshmen that we added. You know, physically right now, they're, they don't look like uh, 18-year-old freshmen. And so, you know, uh, we're going to see what they can do immediately and see if they can get into that rotation. Uh, and then in the secondary, that was another area of concern for a lot of fans last year, uh, especially at that corner spot uh, until Kobe Stevens was kind of able at the end of last season to kind of string together some pretty good performances. Uh, what, 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 what did you learn about that unit in the spring? And, and how do you feel about, about, about that unit now heading into fall camp? Yeah, I know that that's a consistent question I get, and I, I, I certainly understand it. And, and there's some things that we've got to figure out there. But uh, Dylan Bichette, Kobe Stevens, Raheem Wicks, and uh, Travion Craig, I'm just telling you, like, those four dudes, those, those are good football players. They are very, very, very tough physically and mentally kids. I, I love those four kids. They're, I just love what they stand for, how they play the game. Those, those are four very good defensive backs. Uh, Craig, Kobe, uh, you know, they can go safety or corner. and so. I think we have the talent there. It's just, you know, who's going to be where. And, and that's a big unknown for us right now. It's we, We've got to get some guys um, straightened out a little bit. And that has to do with our scheme, 
two, that's changed some things around on 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 what we more put an emphasis on uh, and how we do it. And so, you know, I'm confident we're going to be able to shake out um, seven to eight guys at that position. Some of them may be freshmen. We feel like we have a a couple of talent, really talented uh, freshmen. We got Devon Derry, a transfer uh, from an FCS school who started. He's only got one year left, but he's he started at an FCS football program. Great student, uh, and but he's got he's got that reps. You know what I mean? He's played quality college football for the last two years. Um, and then Aaron Hamilton, a true freshman. You know, I know uh, I he came up today and was uh, told us his strength numbers, and I about fell out of my chair when he told me what his forty was, his bench, his vert. I mean, it's. It's elite for a freshman, uh, and so we're very excited about him because he's been here all summer. He's been putting in the work. He's learned the playbook. So, so you hope once fall camp starts, it, he's not making mental mistakes. You can just go out there and see if he physically can do it because I think he can. Uh, and, and and another freshman, uh, Jalik Lewis. Uh, he yep. followed you from Aveline Christian. Watching his tape, I, I I I was blown away. I did not the way he shut down. The def- his his man and his shot of the field and the way he used the sideline something I don't normally see out of guys coming out of high school. What about his game? Do you like the most? You know, it's his toughness. He he um, he's not your traditional corner, so to speak. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there. I think he's a good open field tackler. I think he's really good at press man and bumping uh, and rerouting receivers. He's long. Uh, but he runs really well, too, and he has great change of direction. So, you know, again, uh, you're absolutely right. We feel like there's a guy there athletically uh, that, that's better than, uh, you know, that 18-year-old freshman body. And, again, uh, we're excited to watch him compete. But just his overall his competitiveness is, is really good. Uh, and then finally, your special teams, uh, you're, you you have two punters, uh, both fellow Francisco, uh, Francisco Moreno, both, both played last year. Uh, who, I mean, do you, do you feel, do you feel good in that unit and, and, and a kicker as well with Nicky Covello taking over for his, for his brother, Alex, do you feel good about those three specialists? I, I do. Obviously they're not, you know, quote, unquote battle tested a lot. And so that's always that unknown with specialists. Like, you know, I've just, I've coached some guys that were really good in practice. And when the lights came on, uh, they weren't because let's face it, that that's a that's a high pressure position, man. Uh, you know, nobody recognizes the punter and kicker unless they make a mistake. And so we, obviously it's very important. What we have to do as coaches is we've got to simulate as many game type stressful situations for them as we possibly can. Uh, but again, three guys that have just since we've been here, done everything we ask. Uh, and then uh, we had a transfer that came from uh, Swasu. David Vargas, uh, you know, he was the starting punter there or, or punted a lot. I think he had like a 38-yard average. He's a one-step punter. So, again, it, it, we've got a guy in the mix that it, that's battle-tested and done it. And so that'll be a really good battle in, in fall camp. If you said, hey, what are you – I'm excited about a lot of things for fall camp, but I, I that specialist spot, same thing with our long snapper, short snapper, there's going to be some really good competition there uh, uh, throughout fall camp. Uh, my final f- uh, football question for you would be now, because fall camp, I believe, I think it starts next week for you all. I think you'll report Sunday is what Dante told me. Um, what uh, what what do you want to see accomplished the most uh, during fall camp heading into that, that first game against Missouri Western? You know, uh, this might sound crazy, but I want our guys to enjoy fall camp. Uh, just 
debriefing them a little bit, our leaders. Uh, I don't think that's something they've enjoyed in the past. Uh, you know, and, and I'm I'm restructuring how we do fall camp, the way we do it, when we do it, and we're not going to be over here as long. And so, first and foremost, for me, there's a group of guys that are here that are older, that don't have a um, great perception of what fall camp is, if that makes sense. And so. We've gone to great lengths as a coaching staff. We want to make fall camp fun. Uh, our guys are in shape. But, you know, they, they, they ran the shuttle test today. Uh, our strength coach said they did a good job. The kids said they've done a really good job. And so I, I don't need to go out and kill guys in fall camp. I, I need to get guys experience through drill work, uh, through team settings, uh, educate them, make them smarter football players. But honestly, man, I just I think you got to start slow and work in. I think sometimes people uh, fall camp's not a sprint. It, it's a marathon. So I think you got to be smart on how you structure fall camp. Uh, but first and foremost, I want these guys to have fun in fall camp. Uh, I want them to compete and I want them getting up at, in the morning and going, man, I get I get to go to football practice, not that I have to go to football practice. And so I think if we can do that, I, I think it'll allow us to get a lot more work done uh, during the fall camp. And then obviously. You know, we're very excited. We, we've got a huge test at Missouri Western. Missouri Western traditionally has great crowds on opening night. Uh, and so our guys are really excited. It's That's a big challenge for us week one. But um, I just want everybody to be uh, fresh physically and mentally when we go up there. I want everybody to know their job. They're 111, uh, what, what they're expected to do and, and how they're going to do it. And, you know, I just want guys to compete to the best of their ability. Uh, and and just from a conference perspective, now you're back in MIAA after some time away. How how has this conference kind of changed to you? And, and do you feel like it's it's even better now than when you left it? I, I do. I think there's probably some people that argue that with me, but I think it's clearly better than I left. And I, and I'll just here here's my examples. You know, you've got the normal. The, the cast of characters, Northwest, Emporia, Washburn, Pitt. Oh, I mean, they're, they're, they're still really good programs. You know what I mean? But last time I was in the program or uh, in the MIAA, Carney wasn't very good, and now they're really good, and they run a very unique style of football that they're the only team in the league that does it. Uh, I think Missouri Southern's better uh, than the last time I was in the league, and I think Northeast Oklahoma's better than the last time I was in, in the league. And so – I just think it's top to bottom a better league, and that that's just researching, watching film all off season, looking at it. It's just there's a lot of really good football programs. Uh well, but but uh, be, before I get, I get you out of here, we do this with all with all the new guests, kind of some more get to know you type questions. So, um, your your favorite uh, hobby outside of football. Um, that's going to depend on where I live, but it would have something to do with hunting, fishing, um, firearms. I'm a firearm enthusiast being outside biking. I love Edmonds. Awesome. I'm back into the mountain biking business. Now there's, you know, there's not a lot of great mountain biking in West Texas. Uh, so it's so flat. So it's great to be back around that, but it, it would be something outdoors in, in one of those facets. Yeah. Uh, now I, I've been told now that you do that you you do games all right like video game play absolutely i love to love the game i did when i was younger and it's still um it's still a great great way to to connect with recruits uh in the off season so uh yeah i i enjoy doing that from time to time as well 
Now, I was also told, much to the dismay of the majority of your team, you're an Xbox guy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the old guys do the Xbox. All the young bucks do the PlayStation. So, yeah, (laughs) I've gotten a lot of heat about that. Because <laughs> I, I think the only people that are Xbox, I think it's you, it's Coach Curly, and it's both Phelps. So, yep. <laughs> so, so now I gotta ask. So now, what is it about Xbox though that has kept you loyal to it? That when a lot of I people don't know, man. I tell you, when I was uh, when I was single, um, I had both. Believe it or not. I had both, and I even had the, uh, what do you call that, uh, like the the old Nintendo Switch. I had one of those. And so, you know, when you're young and single, you, you got a lot of time to burn. So I, I don't get to do it much anymore with having a wife and, and, and two twins. So, uh, but, so, so you had both. But so, so then what, like, what made you choose the Xbox over the PlayStation? No, I don't know. That's a, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's an American company. That was probably my big deal. Uh, and then I had one, the first one, I had a lot of success with it. So, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, so now when you do game, like what, what's your game of choice? Battlefield. That's, that's really all I play. Battlefield or Halo. Don't, uh-huh. don't, don't do much, much else, man. It's so, so sad how bad Madden's got, like. I used to look, man, when I was growing up, little high school, we used to, oh, man, we couldn't wait for Madden to come out. And then, and then obviously, with the, the, the loss of EA and college football, that's been it. So, but I think we're getting college football back next year, uh, which mm-hmm. will be exciting. But, man, the sports games, especially from the football world, have really taken a nosedive. So, just, just not a lot of options, I don't think, anymore. Yeah, no, I'm still one of those playing NCAA 14 on 360. <laughs> still kicking out. NCAA <laughs> still kicking out. Let's see. Okay. Um, your, your, your favorite musical artist? That'd be tough. Period in my life, it would either be Brooks and Dunn, um, Eric Church. I'd say probably Eric Church most consistently. Um, I, had a, I had a point in time where I was really on this Bruce Springsteen kick. Uh, but I'd say most consistently probably probably Eric Church. Okay. You have a, you have a favorite song by him? Mm. Probably Knives of New Orleans. I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, now I, I've been told. Now I don't know how you are up on this, but the the, the court in the locker room, I've been told, is 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 a very brutal place to be on. Now I've been told, if if the vibe is not felt, they they'll, they'll just they'll just unplug the person's phone from it, and and it, it's it's a it's it's a whole thing now I, I don't if if you now if you were on the ox court in a locker room full of guys would you take the risk like your tackle Noah Dobson did and put on a Justin Bieber song no absolutely not no that's a good way to get beat up in the locker room <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, no is obviously big and strong enough. He can take care of himself. So he probably wasn't real worried about it. Me, on the other <laughs> hand, yeah, I would be worried about getting uh, thrown in the shower or something. Yeah, no, I would, I would not, I would not risk that at all. <laughs> but you're right. So obviously, our offices are right above them. It's it's crazy to me how eclectic the music is. Like, it's like who's down there playing that? But man, it's it it's it's pretty funny the uh, diversity of the music that gets played in there. <laughs> is it okay? Um, your your favorite food? Hmm, wings. I'm kind of a wing snob. Like, uh, I like trying wings a lot, but I'm really hard hard on wings. You know what I mean? So if I go to a place and it doesn't meet my standard, I, I won't ever go back just because the wings are bad. Uh, wings would be number one, and then probably pizza number two. I I try not to eat it a lot, but um, I, I don't know. I've always loved pizza. Now, are we, are we, a, are we a bone-in wing or a boneless wing guy? Bone-in. Bone in. And I'm I'm a pretty good cook. Um, I like to cook. Me and Aaron just got the smoker back up. It had been down for about three months. We got it fixed. Um, I'm actually smoking wings tonight. Uh, smoked wings, uh, corned beef, but ribs. I think I'm really good at ribs. I can't do brisket. I've tried brisket multiple times. I'm terrible. I burn it. Doesn't taste well. It's tough. Uh, but I really, me and my wife, we really enjoy to cook. Now, now, when it when it when it comes to the wings, because you, see, you just said that you're tough on wings. Like, what 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 to you constitutes a good a good wing? Well, just the taste of it, the texture. It can't be dry. Um, it, you know, I hate these wing places that there's so much bread on them. You can't taste the chicken. So I'm getting ready to give you. The best wing recipe ever. You ready? I'm ready. Um, get on Amazon, um, and it's called Duster. There's these you dust wings. So you just smoke them or cook them however you do. Don't put anything on them. And then they make these different flavors. There's um, garlic, uh, pepper. There's uh, Asian. There's uh, traditional uh, buffalo. Uh, there's uh, Parmesan garlic. And so you get the wings done, you, you put it in a Tupperware thing, sprinkle this wing dust on, and it's really cheap, lasts forever. And then you take your, your best dressing, and I'm a blue cheese guy. You put just a little blue cheese in there, put the lid on, and shake it up. I'm just telling you, it's, it's a wing. It's already pre-dipped, so you're not having to waste time to dip. It just it goes right in. I'll have to make you some sometime. Yeah, I'll be more than happy to. I'll be more than happy to sample it. <laughs> as a former, as a former offensive lineman at the time I played football, hey, I'm not going to decline free sample. <laughs> well, me and Coach Sanders, we've uh, we haven't been able to because my spoker's been broke, but he's a uh, he's a really good cook too. So we're we're having a a, a wing a wing and a uh, rib competition. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting. I'll let you know how that goes. Huh? Okay. Now, now I will say, if you need a judge, uh, I'll volunteer myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> now, your your DB coach, Coach McGuire, he's also a wing guy. 
Mm-hmm. Now, he said that he prefers Wingstop over Buffalo Wild Wings. Now, are you in that same camp? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep. Wingstop, to me, is clearly better than Buffalo Wild Wings. So, like, how? Uh, the consistency of the taste. And a lot of times I get B-dubs, and, man, the wings might be lukewarm. And the uh, last few times I had it, just the overall quality of the the, the chicken. I didn't think it was very good, but they're not. Neither one of those are better than my wings. So, <laughs> now on the on the on the pizza front, are we are we we hand tossed or are we thin crust? Thin crust. Uh, I think that's probably uh, out of self preservation, so I don't get any fatter. Uh, I try to stay with that thin crust. I've even tried to start going gluten-free and um, using the cauliflower crust. Um, But yeah, those are hard to find, but man, there's some really homestead pizza here in town. There's been a couple, couple good pizza joints. Now we, are we, we, we have pineapple on the pizza. No, no way. No, (laughs) no, no, (laughs) where I'm from, that'll get you shot. Putting, putting fruit on a pizza or drinking a seltzer instead of a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, back in in your playing days, now, when it came to gear, and was it it a big thing for you to have the gear? Because you have some players now, I've been told, Trayvon Craig, Jonathan Mosley, they just have to have the gear. They have to have the bands, the towels, and whatnot. But were you more just like, just give me that helmet and let me get out there and play? Did you have to have some gear as well? No, no, I didn't have to have gear, but that was probably, probably didn't have a choice. I'm so old. When we were playing at Northwest, we were still using Russell, Russell jerseys. And there, was, there wasn't a lot of variety uh, in, the, in the Russell jersey front. I promise you that. Um, the towels, the bands. Nah, I wore gloves and and that was it. Um, no, nah, I wasn't a big spat, big uh, extra gear, you know, accessories. I I, I wasn't about that. Now, I, I, you, the earlier you mentioned you touched on Peyton Scott's leadership. I've been told he's a very big leader in the yellow pants making the return movement. Now, it, will there be yellow pants again this 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 season? Yes, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I think the yellow pants are sharp. I think they look really good. Um, to me, if if you're going to have uniforms, wear them. You know what I mean. Uh, and to me, I, I don't care. I let the leadership council pick. Uh, but it's as you know, that's important to recruit. So we try to diversify as much as we can on that front. Yeah, because when I was talking to to Noah, he he, he didn't even know that we had the yellow pants. Hell, I mentioned it to him, and I'm like, hold up now, wait a minute. You didn't know we had yellow pants. He's like, no, I've never seen any pictures with the yellow pants. I was like, but that's a staple. <laughs> and I'm like, man. I think, the, I think the white, white with the yellow pants looks really, really good. Yeah, it does. And, and, and on that front, too, now, will it, will it just be the all-white helmet again the whole season, or will there be a blue helmet in there? I know some guys were about when they went all blue last year with the white helmet, it kind of felt off somewhat. So would the blue helmet also make a return or will it just be the yep. white? Yep, blue helmet's back. 
again, I'm not kidding. Literally, the the the, ki- the players pick what uniforms wear, and I don't. I have zero swag, and they tell me that, and I I know that. So, again, <laughs> play to your strengths. So they pick the uniforms. We're wearing blue helmets. Uh, we're wearing white helmets. Uh, we have a new uh, Bronco logo for the white helmet. I'm excited to. Uh, to pull out it looks really really cool i think you'll really like it and then we have a uh military appreciation day logo that we're, we're wearing that's really cool uh and i'm excited for people to see as well and we got new white uh uh white jerseys and pants coming well as well okay good because i was told i forgot who it was that said the old white pants were like brownish at that point like it, 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 and <laughs> so <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what, man, whites are hard. Uh, and when I was a GA, you know, we'd always have to do the laundry. The worst is when you'd play on natural grass and mud. Oh, my God. You'd have to watch, uh, wash the white pants three times. But white pants, white jerseys in general, those are – when you play outside, even on the rubber, it's just – those are really hard jerseys to take care of. Okay. Okay. Um <laughs> Say, okay, do you, you have any pregame routines that you normally do? No. No, I, I'm usually lock in, listen to some music, and uh, no, nah, nothing crazy. Okay. Now, is it like the same playlist before every game, or do you kind of change it up? I'll change it up a little bit, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not superstitious. Okay. Um... Well, I guess my final question for you would be, uh, do you have a message to, to, to those that might still be on the fence about coming to see your team play this season uh, about what they can expect to see if they come watch you all play? Yeah, no, I, I get that. You know, I just that's one of the things that, you know, when I was on the other sideline, um, you know, I noticed always felt like there wasn't great fan support. It's something our players uh, have talked about. And so, you know, we quite honestly tried to be really active in that front. Um, you know, I've told the players that it's got to start with other student athletes. We have to uh, embrace uh, other sports teams here. And I feel like our guys have done a tremendous job with that. Uh, I think at any campus, student athletes have to be student athletes' biggest supporters. So I think it starts there. After that, it goes into the, the general student body. Uh, you know, and I've told our guys, you know, any chance you get to connect with somebody, um, in the classroom setting, you need to take that opportunity. I think there's a lot of times there's a, a misconception with football players that they're meatheads, uh, you know, and that's not the case. I think uh, we have some very intelligent young men in our program. So I'm like, you, you have to show those people that you're not a meathead uh, and invite them to games. So there and then we've really tried to partner with the, the youth football uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh, we've been active with them just to try to get those young men back. You know, and, and I get it. And the thing I keep telling people, hey, I'm not trying to beat OU or I'm not trying to beat OSU. I just want you here when OSU's playing in Ames, Iowa, and you can't go to the game. Or, you know, OU's playing in Waco, and you can't go to the game. That's when I'm asking you to be here. Um, so that's number one. Two, I think they'll see it. I don't ever promise winning and losing. I just – I think you'll see a group of guys that are going to play extremely hard. I think they'll be fundamentally sound and disciplined, and I think – I think it'll be very apparent to you that, uh, that our, our players care about each other. Well, well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time this yeah. afternoon to come on and, and talk to me. Um, uh, I know this has been in the works, I think, way, way back when, when you first were, in, when were uh, introduced and, and you said you'd be 
you know, more than willing to come on. And so I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm wishing you the best of luck in fall camp and, and really looking forward to seeing what uh, you and your team do come uh, Missouri Western game. Sounds great. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thank you, Coach. Uh, so, again, I want to thank Coach Doral for taking time to come on and talk to me. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed learning about the, the roster more. Uh, you know, we have a we had a pretty good picture just through all the, 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 the interviews that we've had so far talking to the to the guys. But uh, it, it's, it's good to kind of get his opinion uh, on some of the things that we've heard about. And, and I'm really just I'm liking the, the overall vibe. Um, a lot of what he was saying, it was substantiated by previous interviews. Um, in terms of of like the the guys' mindset and the the, the culture and the um, like spring participation and things along those those lines were echoed by numerous players. Um, so you know, I always say where there's smoke, there's fire. So there's something to that. And so I'm just really looking forward to to, to seeing what they do this season. I think uh, fall camp start. They report Sunday. Uh, Dante McGee, shout out to my man Don, uh, Dante. He reached out to me the other day on Twitter. He has volunteered to come on. I think he said sometime during the second week of spring. I mean, the fall, <laughs> spring, a fall uh, when they go uh, padded practice. So I definitely be on the lookout on that front. Also be on the lookout. We should have another episode out tomorrow for you. Uh, with another specialist, this is one I've wanted to bring on for quite some time just because I feel like he has a really good story, a really good journey to how he got to Edmond. Uh, and uh, if you haven't checked the, the channel update for the YouTube channel, our link is in the in the description there. We're doing some big things over there. We're going to have some live streams. Uh, and I will probably have an update on here Sunday, be up Sunday, Sunday probably. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. I know we've we've grown over here as well. So I kind of just want to get you all an idea of what's going on between both uh, in case you all are subscribed over here or not over on the YouTube channel. So until that time, my name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. JG Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.